El Cap Half Down and Mount Watkins in Yosemite. <laughs> goal is just to climb and have fun. Perfect crack. And you keep going up, 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 up. Because I didn't feel like we were actually like close to freezing to death. Hello everyone and welcome to the Mountains on Stage podcast. I am Cyril Salomon, co-founder of Mountains on Stage, and today I'm really honored to have a conversation with the one and only Jimmy Chin. Jimmy is probably the most awarded documentary filmmaker of all times. With an audience award at Sundance for Maru and even an Oscar for Free Solo. We took the opportunity to talk with Jimmy when he was on a family trip to Paris and the interview took place in the lobby of his hotel. There's a bit of noise in the background at the beginning, but it gets better soon after. Among other things, Jimmy shared with us the struggles they face when they climb Meru, the mindset of Alex Honnold in Free Solo, and the reason why it's important for him to document those feats. Let's start right away with the vertical interview of Jimmy Chin. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> for those who good. haven't seen the movie Meru, can mm -hmm. you kind of describe what it's about? Like the, what was the goal? Yeah. Long time ago. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the basic story is about Conrad Anker, who's one of my best friends and my mentor. Yeah. Uh, myself and at the time younger climber named Brennan Ozturk who try and make an attempt on the shark spin of Mount Meru. Yeah. And you know Mount Meru had a the shark spin had a kind of a notorious reputation because there had been maybe 20 or 25 expeditions that had tried this climb and no one had made it more than halfway up. Yeah. that route and so we went to try and climb it in 2008 conrad had already tried it previously to that uh we failed yeah um without going into much detail it's kind of a dramatic failure and then we go back to our lives and a few other incidents happen in life uh, that we have to overcome to go back in 2011 where we try to climb it again yeah but the film's really about friendship and mentorship and mentorship yeah. and legacy yeah yeah and uh, why do you think um you were able to succeed when you did it uh you know what was like the crux that you were able to overcome well it was hugely helpful that we had for starters conrad's expertise and history on the mountain yep. you know he'd already attempted it before uh his mentor mug stump had yep. also attempted it multiple times we did a lot of research on what other people had done and why they had failed so in 2008 when we went we were pretty well prepared yep. and we got very very close um but had to turn around and you know, why did you have to turn around just because we knew that if we tried to keep going, it was literally like a hundred, maybe a hundred meters or 150 meters. But if we kept going, we knew that we would have to spend the night in open busy at okay. over 20,000 feet. Yeah. And we didn't have warm enough clothing. So we knew that if we spent the night out, then, you know, we would get frostbite or, you know, make a bad decision. So yeah. we had to turn around and we had already pushed way beyond the edge like in terms of we could food, have turned around you have, you yeah had food or? yeah yeah because we only had seven days of food and we'd been on the route for 19 days oh wow yeah 
we had already pushed far beyond what was reasonable. You know, if we weren't that stretched to the extreme, we probably would have gone for it in yeah. a different scenario. Yeah. But because we were already so stretched to the extreme that we couldn't, we knew that we would be in trouble if we kept going. Um, but we did overcome, we, we knew exactly what we were in for yeah. on the second attempt. Yeah. Um, and we refined our gear a little bit. Like we only brought summer bags in 2008 to try to save weight. Yeah. They were like 15, 20 degree no bags. And so. Did you change that in 2011? Yeah, in 2011, we brought negative 20 degree oh, yeah. bags. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So we knew that we needed to go warmer on our okay. sleeping bags and that the weight was worth it. Um, and we actually only went with what we considered six days of food on the second attempt. Oh, really? Because we knew that that ration at seven days could last us 20 days. Okay. So you didn't change the amount of food you took? No, we took less. You took less, actually. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then we got good weather. Okay, yeah. Yeah, which is a big difference. And did you go with the intention of making a movie from the start? I mean, the, the movie was a huge success. Did you... No, were you we this? weren't planning to make a movie. Um, especially in 2008, we only went to shoot um, stills and then... I was just shooting bits and pieces of it for fun. Okay. In 2011, when we went back, I thought about shooting it better. Just like when I looked at the footage from 2008, I kept thinking, how can I shoot this better? Okay. But I wasn't trying to make a movie. Okay. I was more just interested in shooting better footage. Yeah. And then literally it was at the summit uh, in 2011 and I was filming Renan, and he talks about that moment of being on the top. Yeah. It was such a beautiful, perfect moment. And I thought, wow, that would be the perfect ending to a movie. <laughs> and so then at that moment, I thought, well, maybe I should make a movie someday. But then I didn't think about it again as we had to descend the mountain, yeah, which was very true. treacherous. And then when we finally got back home... I started thinking about making a movie and started putting together the idea of a feature. I wanted to make, I started, I wanted yeah. to make a feature length film. And the film was actually really, in my mind, more of a tribute to Conrad yeah. and his mentorship. And I wanted to make a movie about that. I wanted to make a movie about mentorship and friendship and all the pieces of climbing that People who don't climb yeah. don't understand because they yeah. think, oh, they're just there to climb. But I always thought of climbing as much deeper than just going yeah, to climb just, the mountains. Just climb. There's like legacy and there's, you know, friendship and history, something bigger than just climbing. Yeah. For me. Yeah. So. I think that that really shows in the, in the film, especially yeah. like the mentorship with Conrad and, and Muggs and. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew, and, I knew how I wanted people to feel. Yeah. And then I just kept focusing on trying to make the movie in a way that people could feel what I wanted them to feel and to understand what I wanted people to understand about climbing. It took you like a lot of time to make that film, actually. Uh, I remember. Yeah. That. From beginning to end, if you count the footage that I first started shooting, 
It was seven years. Yeah. Yeah. How how come like even after the second expedition, what took so long in the in the process? Um, I mean, I didn't have the the money. Yeah. And then I had to figure out how to raise the money. I worked on it with another couple friends. It just wasn't very good. Okay. Wasn't good enough. No, it wasn't good enough. I pushed as far as I could with the talent pool that I knew in yeah. my world. Yeah. And it took meeting Chai, yeah. who is a serious documentary filmmaker. Yeah. The hardest thing about making feature documentaries is getting the best editors. Yeah. And you can't get the best editors unless you have a serious reputation as a serious okay. documentary filmmaker. Yeah. So if I went to look for an editor, I would not get the same editor that Chai would get. Okay. So because Chai was attached to it, then I had access to the best editors okay. in the world. Yeah. At the top. Yeah. And Bob Eisenhart is one of the top feature documentary editors in the yeah. world. He edited Free Solo and he also edited The Rescue. Okay. And he's edited many, many films before yeah. that. But we brought Bob on and Chai and Bob were able to change the level of the film because mm -hmm. also most of the people I was working with were inside the climbing world. So it was really hard to be objective. Okay. Because we all know climbing too well. They came from the outside. And so they could look at it from an outsider's perspective to try okay. to, because they couldn't understand what I was yeah. saying. So when I explained to them what I wanted it to be and how I wanted people to feel, they attacked it in a different way. Okay. And that's, in order for like yeah. the broader audience yeah, to understand. Yeah, for a broader audience to understand. Yeah. But the thing about that film was that it, I also, my other filter was that it had to work for the most hardcore yeah. alpinist. Like the most hardcore alpinist had to be able to watch it and still say, okay, yeah. that's, a, that's that's still... It had to be it's, both ends. It's funny, you know, when I created the mountains on stage, um, my goal was that, like, my brother who loves alpinism and stuff would yeah. love the movie, and yeah. also my grandmother. Yeah. And they would be in the same room, and I, I yeah. was always thinking about the two of them at the yeah, same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always had people like that. I was like, John Krakauer, Yvonne Chouinard, yeah. Steve House. What are they going to think? You know, Peter Croft. Yeah. Like, would they, you know, how would they think yeah. about the movie? You know, for Free Solo, it was the same thing. I kept thinking, would Peter Kraft yeah. think this is okay? Yeah, I yeah. totally agree with yeah. that. And, um, you know, when Renan had his accident, you were filming the whole way. It's yeah. crazy. Like, I think it, us in Europe, we, like a lot of people, they're not able to keep filming in those type yeah. of situations. Like, how do you do it? Do you, can, are you able to completely, like, shudder emotions when you're filming? Well, I was managing the whole thing. Like, I even hauled him out of the mountains. Yeah. It was me and uh, Rennie Jackson. Yeah. Like packaged him and hauled him out and held his head, you know, yeah. and tried not to let him move his spine. And then um, like all the people in the hospital, I had to like get him from one hospital uh, and life flight him to another. So I was managing yeah. a lot yeah. and there was no one else there, yeah. no family. Renan looked at me and he, he specifically told me he's like i want you to film really? this and i said really <laughs> and he's like yes i want you to film it and i thought well that's crazy like i don't want to <laughs> film this right now yeah. i need to help you get to the hospital i need to and he just said 
no, please film it. And in a way, I kind of understood that he thought maybe he was going to die. Okay. And he wanted it documented strangely because he was still coherent enough to say something. Okay. And I thought, okay, well, maybe he has something to say. Yeah, yeah, okay. Before he dies. And I'm not going to deny a dying man's last wish. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go get the camera. Don't die between when I go to okay. get the camera and when I come back. Yeah. I literally was like, don't die. Yeah. I ran outside. I got the camera. I got the cards. I got all the batteries. And I started filming. In some ways, it did help because okay. otherwise I was just yeah. helpless. Yeah. So I was a little bit more disassociated from the moment yeah. and more okay. filming yeah. as like a filmer. Yeah. And I still remember we were, I was filming, filming, filming. And then they would call and be like, we need to move them. And I'd put the camera down and I'd like talk to them about it. And I'd pick up the phone and talk to their mom. And then I'd film. I remember we got into the life flight and flew to Idaho Falls and they put him in an ambulance. And again, I was filming thinking maybe he would die in front of me, but he had asked me to film it. And I remember the backlight. Like the lighting coming through the, the, the ambulance window yeah, was okay. really beautiful. Okay. <laughs> and I thought, wow, this is an amazing shot. <laughs> and I just remember catching myself and thinking, that's crazy that you're thinking about how beautiful the light is on Renan's face. And he could like die yeah. at any moment. And I just had this like kind of, internal dialogue that was like is this okay i guess it's okay he asked me if yeah. to do it and the light's really beautiful yeah. <laughs> it's crazy you're like in sync with renan because like renan is kind of like he was also obsessed by yeah the footage yeah 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 he, he was and then i remember also thinking well this will never see the light of day yeah like who's ever gonna who's, who's ever gonna, gonna use this it. footage yeah, and then it and ended that, up in sharp in a sharp And <laughs> that was a good lesson because every time I think, "Who's ever going to use yeah. this footage?" I think, "Well, you better start shooting." Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> it means uh, because it's pretty special. Well, yeah, I say that you say that to yourself all the time. You're like, "Oh, we don't need that." Who's ever going to yeah. watch that? And then now that I've made quite a few documentaries, <laughs> you kind of got to keep. You always got to keep yeah, shooting. Of course. Yeah. And, um, what about you know, music? because a lot of the films in our world only yeah. shoot when they're supposed to shoot. Yeah. It's the moments between the shots that you think you're supposed to shoot. Yeah. Where everything most, happens. Yeah, exactly. Everything interesting happens between the moments. Yeah. Because the second you take down the camera, people are like, ah, oh, okay, well, that was fucked up. You know, whatever yeah. it is. It's like, it's always like, that's why you, you, when we shoot, like on free solo, we shoot just shooting nonstop until like we never stop shooting. Yeah, verite. It's French. Yeah, verite. It's been like Jean Talon, the director who made the film in Alaska with. Uh, yeah. He made a film called The Eternal Beauty of Snowboarding. Uh huh. And um, he had his his uh, a small camera on his phone on his uh, like uh, photo camera. Yeah. And shooting film all the time, but like yeah. all the time, so yeah. people would be drunk and like partying all the time. Yeah, yeah. He would be filming for five years, and then he made this film. It's really yeah. amazing because like it's not people don't expect him to be to be filming. So that's uh, when the cool thing happens. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and with Alex, was it the the same thing? Like when you were shooting free solo, we'd seen the film. Like it's really hard for some of the filmers to actually 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. For you, is it the same? Like, mm, you... I'm I'm used to shooting in that environment with yeah. Alex. I shot so much yeah, with yeah. him. It's still hard, but I also know how good he is. Yeah, like, so, yeah, he's that good. Yeah, and I've seen him be that good. Like a lot of the stuff, um, I just trusted that he he makes a good decision. Yeah, and that he could that he was that good. Yeah, he doesn't fall. Yeah, you know. But I shouldn't even say that out loud. But yeah, word, but he, um, I just trusted him. And then the hardest part, stuff for us to film that we're not co as comfortable with was just like the day to day, like him and okay. his girlfriend yeah. hanging okay. out. But I have a crew that shoots that specifically. Okay. Yeah, and they're a verite crew, and they're very used to just shooting in those environments okay. all the time. Yeah, because for you it felt a bit intrusive. To yeah, just, yeah. Like, but I wouldn't like, even. I would send. My okay. verite shooters in there. Okay. Yeah. You know, if we go back to Mirul a bit, the, the fact that Renan, you know, after his trauma and, you know, he, he suffers a stroke and so yeah. he's like out of this world. And, um, why did you and Conrad let him take the lead? It feels like when you oh, yeah, see yeah, the yeah. film. Because we could tell in some ways it was a test because we knew that he had recovered enough. Yeah. He was like, I've got this lead. Okay. I'm going to try to do it. We thought, okay, well, let's go through the motions okay. of him racking up yeah. and starting to get ready. And we just kept watching and watching. And we knew that if we could always just... Yeah, tell him, okay, let's... Yeah. But in a way, this was a good evaluation of like yeah, okay. his capacity. And it was also like one of the only pitches that he was going to end up leading okay. on the whole route because it's like the best, most straightforward okay. five, ten splitter crack In the solid world. rock <laughs> on the route. Yeah. And that was always kind of his pitch. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so we didn't want to take that away and okay. we gave him a chance, but we always knew that he could. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And do you think it helped him heal? Like the... The climb process, like the fact. I think that yeah, I think it was a good goal for him yeah. to like really push to come back strong. Yeah, and to keep his mind in a forward, positive yeah. manner, as opposed to we didn't want to take it away from him because we were afraid he would just yeah become depressed and yeah. head trauma often can cause depression yeah. and all kinds of different <laughs> mental illness issues that can arise from something like that yeah because you might be defeated yeah and so we wanted to give him something that made him look forward yeah and we never expected him necessarily to be able to do it but we just kept saying yeah yeah you sure. got it just to give him something to yeah. keep and then as we got closer and closer to the trip and i was training with him i was like wow he's really strong yeah Like, he's really, really strong. And because he's training so hard, he never used to train. Yeah. Now he was, like, not really. He was yeah, a talented just, athlete. Just, but now he's, like, training, training lifting, yeah. like, all this stuff. And so he was really strong. And then we thought, well, he's good. And we also thought, you know what? If we bring Renan, we're much less likely to summit. Yeah. And we could, we could have asked anybody to come with us. Yeah. But we thought, okay, well... We're going to bring Renan because this is his goal. And the goal is just to get Renan 
back out in the mountains. Yeah. We knew that we were likely giving up our summit and climbing a new route, but we were going to be able to be loyal to our friend. Yeah. That's cool. And so that was understood between Conrad and I. Yeah. That like, this probably meant that we weren't going to be able to climb the new route, but. Is that a conversation you had with, with no, Conrad? No, I didn't before? have to have it. No? We Is knew. It? Okay. I know him well enough. Yeah. We just talked about it. We looked at each other and we were like, we're bringing Renan. And yeah. we both understood what that meant. Yeah, cool. That's the kind of relationship I have with Conrad. <laughs> yeah. I, we didn't actually have to say it. Okay. It was, it was totally understood though. When we said, what do you think? Well, let's bring Renan. Okay. We're going to bring Renan. Yeah. Cool. It was understood. Nice. What's your best memory from this climb? Like the 2011? Maybe there's a couple moments. There's one moment we call the crystal pitch. Okay. I have one regret. We didn't film this pitch, but basically right at the apex of the climb. Okay. Cause you know, it's overhanging. Yeah. Overhanging, overhanging, overhanging. And right at the top where it goes, at the, the fin goes like this, right at the part where it goes vertical. Yeah. Is a perfect crack. Hand crack almost. Really? And there's kind of a funky move to get into the crack and you keep going up, 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 up. And there's a crystal that's like, <laughs> Maybe this round and maybe sticking out like a little over a meter. No way. Right at the very apex of the, the climb, pitch. just sticking out. Wow. And you have to mantle it. <laughs> on the crystal. On the crystal. And I straddled it with my back against the wall, look, facing out the gar wall, literally with a giant <laughs> crystal <laughs> just sitting there like this being like, this is the crazy, crazy. It's the most exposed spot yeah. on the entire climb, and you right didn't at the film apex. It. I didn't have a. Yeah. Renan was in the portal edge, and I had the lead, and Conrad was down below, yeah. under an alcove. Okay. There's no footage like, of it. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember thinking, this, this is, is a penis. <laughs> this giant. Is, I mean, well, more like you're straddling a giant crystal yeah. in the center of the universe. <laughs> at the most exposed yeah, spot crazy. on the route. There's that moment, and then there's also the moment right at the summit where you literally kind of throw like a big heel hook and mantle up. And I, every time we came around the corner, finished the pitch, we would look up, and it, it would always be something harder or worse. Yeah. It seemed like every time yeah, okay. you did something, it would be like something. You'd be like, "That was the most ridiculously dangerous, scary pitch I've ever done." And then you'd be like, "Oh no, the next <laughs> Actually, one is worse." Yeah, and I remember I pulled up over the top, and I kept. I was totally confused because I kept thinking, "Where's the next pitch? What's next?" <laughs> and I literally like threw a heel hook and like, yeah, and got up. I was looking at like Thales Sagar yeah. behind. And there was no more climbing. <laughs> I kept thinking, well, where's the <laughs> next hitch? And that's when I realized, wow, we're at the top. Yeah. And that, that was a special moment. So like the heel hook. Yeah. <laughs> to get to it. Yeah. Like, it's kind of funny moment, but that's nice. Cool. Well, I think that's it for Meru. Maybe, um, about free solo. Like, have you done free solos yourself? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm very easy terrain. Yeah. Just kind of some of the classics. So can, can you describe maybe like what's appealing about it? If it's terrain that you're really comfortable in and you're climbing well, it's very liberating because these climbs, the idea of pitches disappears, right? Yeah. 
becomes one pitch, becomes one climb, you know, um, on these big multi-pitch climbs. And that feeling of just climbing and climbing and climbing and being in that headspace yeah. and that exactitude of like just everything. Funny, like no gear. Yeah. And also just being feeling like every move counts, but yeah. you still, you can't be tense. You still have to just be, it's, it's a very, extraordinary meditative experience with consequences yeah you know so you feel um, very light it's, it's yeah feel yeah like there's something pushing you up in a yeah way. yeah uh, but i've also scared myself soloing and that's yeah. a terrible feeling oh, yeah yeah so <laughs> um so i've never really pushed it very hard but you know i think i've not not that hard i mean i've soloed up to like 10a on bigger multi-pitch climbs back but a lot in the tetons and the alpine yeah at the beginning of free solo was it alex who came to you about the idea of making a film or no no i came to him yeah yeah and i always thought he would be a very interesting person to make a film about because you know i've been working with the best skiers and snowboarders and climbers and mountaineers and alpinists in the world for a while yeah when i started working with alex i was like okay this is totally <laughs> like level. i've seen the next level and this is next level yeah, from yeah. the next level i always say he's an anomaly among a peer group of anomalies like yeah. everybody at the upper echelon is like singular and then he's singular among all these singular yeah. people i've never seen anything like it um so And I got to know him and I got to understand the way his mind worked. Okay. And so I was very curious about that. Yeah. How he made decisions to do what he did. Yeah. And I always go for these stories that like I'm genuinely deeply interested in and committed to and feel like I have something to say. Yeah. Oftentimes, it's a reaction to misperceptions okay. of what people think. Okay. And I think, oh, I, and sometimes it's like, I feel the need to correct okay. the misperception. Because I want to of... say, I want to say, I was like, this is what you might think. Yeah. But in reality, this is what's really happening. And that's the thing that's really happening is really inspiring. Yeah. Okay. You know what I'm so saying? So that was the purpose of like free solo for you, like yeah. I mean, like Meru, Meru is too, Meru shift. too though. No, but Meru too. Okay. It's, it doesn't really ultimately answer the question why, but people who don't climb and watch that movie, I think because they can relate to the mentorship and the yeah. idea of friendship and legacy and having a goal. Yeah. Are closer to understanding yeah. why people would do it because people still say. Especially after they see you lead like the House of Cards pitch, they they think, why would you ever do that? Yeah. But they also can kind of answer yeah. their own question. They yeah. think, well, I kind of understand yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's all you need is just a little like if they kind of have a different sense. Yeah. The why, then that's yeah. for me. That's then I'm, powerful. I'm very happy. Yeah. Free solo also has elements of that because people think. He's crazy. Why would he ever do that? Like, you know, but when you watch the movie and you see how incredible it is and how he approaches it and like 
just the process of yeah. him preparing for it is part of why he loves doing it. Yeah. And you get to see that. And so you can still watch the movie and say, that's completely crazy. Why would anybody ever do that? But there's one small sliver <laughs> where people might think, I kind of understand why he would do it. Yeah. You know, and that, that little sliver is the, 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 the thing. Yeah. Which is yeah. pretty cool. I mean, it's just like, you know, very, like, oldest question in alpinism. Yeah, and, why? Know, the why, and, and uh, I think the best... And you can't films, explain it. You can't explain it, but I think that you feel it yeah. inside you. Like, the it's, best it's not, films. you can't intellectualize it. It's, yeah. It's, they feel it. Yeah. It's about the feeling. And if they feel it, then they know it. Yeah. Even if they can't <laughs> intellectualize it. Yeah. That's important. If they can feel it, they know it. Yeah. Uh, because it's something you can't intellectualize. That's a nice, nice way to end it. <laughs> yeah, good, good. All right, we're done with the vertical interview of Jimmy Chin. I hope you enjoyed this interview. And if so, please subscribe so that you don't miss our next episodes with Alex Honnold and Tommy Caldwell. Mountains on Stage Film Festival will be on tour starting April 13th and will feature four amazing films taking place in the Himalayas, Corsica and Yosemite. In the meantime, I hope you'll get to be outside as much as possible, enjoy the mountains and see you soon for a new vertical interview.